Hey guys, hope everybody's doing well. Um, obviously, yesterday was pretty, I guess, fucking awesome. Would be a really good way to um, describe how it went. Like I, I obviously was quite open on the the podcast, you know, a few days ago. Um, I suppose about numerous things, like you know, the fact that I thought I was pretty fit but um I think I guess you never really know until you race like it's like <clears throat> I kind of my I'm gonna like I I, I don't want to sound like a dick but like my like and I don't know if we like call it let's call it alter ego like but like you know Superman Clark Kent you know like like my alter ego so to speak would have loved the night before the race to you know be quite vocal about the fact that I thought I could break records and things like that, but it's not, it's not really a sport. We don't really do that. Um, but the point being, I clearly thought there was a, like a pretty big result, um, there. I, I don't think anyone that was listening to the podcast when I was in font, I don't think I quite knew how good some of the stuff in font remote was, you know, 6,000 feet of altitude isn't easy and so we were doing stuff up there that you know was was clearly pretty impressive um and then when you combine the fact that it's at 6,000 feet well it, it probably heightens how impressive that was um and so yeah like you know there was a lot of a lot of struggle from probably February through the um, you know, the, the half marathon I was supposed to do was in New York in March. Um, I, I don't think I was very fit back then. I don't think I came off Houston quite as well as I'd have wanted to. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but probably the fact that I did Doha, Dublin, and then Houston. Um, on paper, people can look at progression and and I guess blow things out of proportion sometimes. And, um, you know, it, it was, uh, I think it was pretty much a two minute PB, which is absolutely phenomenal. But at the same time, you know, remember that when I ran 63.17, that was in 2018, 2018. So um, well over two and a half years ago now. Back then, in fact, was it twenty twenty nineteen is when I would have ran two fourteen thirty at Houston. Yeah, so twenty eighteen. So remember that back then I was a two fourteen marathon runner. In fact I hadn't ran two fourteen yet. I ran sixty three seventeen at Houston and then four months later ran um two fifteen at London, but it was super hot. So, you know, it's it's two and a half years since I've probably raced a half marathon and focused properly for it in fact obviously with me focusing on London I could argue that I didn't completely focus on it but that would be bullshit because you know I tapered as much as I possibly could um I did a five-week camp at altitude you know there was a lot of a lot of the focus on that altitude camp was about getting faster so um yeah, it, it worked out really, really well. I, I had seen 
little things in training. You know, I was quite open about the fact that I did a 12 mile tempo at marathon heart rate and, you know, would have ran 63, um, 20 to 63, 30, something like that. Um, and it was marathon effort. You know, it felt like marathon effort when I finished. You know, I, I certainly felt like I could have ran a lot more. Now, the, also what I spoke about in the podcast was, you know, you never know, like, you know, your Garmin might not work. Um, you know, the weather was perfect and, and things like this. So you're still standing on a start line in a headspace of not doubt, but like, you're not sure. But then that's probably one of the biggest reasons why, like, we, we run and we compete because, um, even when you do, and I'm going to say all the little things right, and when you do the training right, but basically that's not necessarily the case. We, when, when we do everything we've been taught and everything we know to be right, um, and the reason I say that is because we all still have lots to learn and there, there's probably plenty of training and little things that we could be doing either side of the training to be better. So let's, let's make the statement of when we do everything that we know thus far to have a good race, it doesn't always play out the way we want it to. So, you know, there's always going to be that underlying current of unknown and that's what makes running really exciting. So, you know, I travel to Belfast. I <laughs> sleep as good as I can. I slept like shit, but you sleep as good as you can. Um, you stand on a start line, the gun goes and, <laughs> you know, fuck, you give it a go. And, um, my, my, my vision for Antrim was quite clear to, you know, put in a solid, um, solid performance. And, and I have to say, like, I didn't really know how the race would play out. I heard rumors that, you know, Mo was going to go for British record, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, I figured that might blow the race completely apart, which would have probably been quite bad for me. But at the same time, I, I, my race goal was always to run around 440 per mile. <clears throat> but I, I kind of knew because I'd done some tempo on the track, I kind of knew what heart rate that would be. And so, you know, you might have seen me leading and things like that, but actually I was just running at the effort that I had decided was good for me to run that day. And I felt really good. So there was no point. I didn't choose to just sit in because of shoot or because I'm surrounded by people that, you know, were better than me on paper and, you know, ultimately ended up better than me on the day. But when I look back um, in hindsight, I, I think now that I've, you know, made that little bit of a jump, which I believed already existed in training, but it hadn't yet existed in racing. Um, you know, now that maybe I've made that little jump, well, then maybe I'd have the confidence to, you know, sit in a little bit more. And when I got to 12 mile, and I'm sure you can forgive me for thinking this, but at 12 mile, I was already sort of switching off a little bit and sort of thinking you've already had a really good day if you get dropped now it's not a big deal you're going to finish this off and it's going to be a great day whereas I think once you've made a little bit of a jump like that you wouldn't think like that you'd be you'd get the you know your race plan would be um do as little as possible until mile 11 or 12 and then be ready for when the real race begins Whereas my race plan was probably more likely along the lines of keep up as best you can, um, you know, stick to half marathon effort.
Um, so yeah, lots, lots probably to learn. Um, I'm probably also being a bit hard on myself. Like when those boys dropped me, I was still running for 35 to 440 pace per mile, which is, which is pretty ferocious. And, you know, I looked at, um, the, the first time, the first split that made sense to me, um, I, I didn't see the six mile split. Um, I didn't look at the total time, I suppose you could say. So the first time that I actually paid attention to total time was at 10 mile because I'd worked out in my head something along the lines of if you keep running 440 pace, you're looking at roughly 1430 to the finish line. That That's about right. That's roughly what it works out as because you have to run. 3.1 mile after 10 mile right so um i the first split that i paid attention to was mile 10 and when i seen 46 20 i believe like i was that <laughs> 46 20 is really fucking fast for 10 mile i can tell you that so when i seen 46 20 i was like wow this is crazy and you know i i still felt good there's still, I still wasn't totally out of control and I still sort of felt like I was okay and I knew I could sort of manage at home. Um, you know, I'd obviously trained with Mo up in front and there was a Sunday run where I, I swear I was working harder. My heart rate might not have been higher, but like I was having to work harder on a Sunday run because like it wasn't a perfect road. There was hills. I was really fatigued from training. I was just tired and, you know, we're running. I think we did 20 miles at like 520 pace. And when I finished, I was just, I was destroyed. I had to get Jamie to drive us back up the mountain because I was just so tired. Um, and so like that, bringing that into a race when you're sitting at mile 10 and you're kind of like, you know what? This has been pretty tough, but. I probably worked harder that day with Mo up in front so I can do this. That's kind of where my attitude was. Like I kind of knew, Hey, I'm going to be okay. Um, and look, you know, like it's, it, it probably surprises me. Like it's a big run. It's a big result. You know, you, you might be looking at, you know, it being very close to like, in fact, it is, it's my best race ever. Um, but like certainly. I, yes, it's been hard work. It's been a lot of hard work over, you know, a lot of years now. A lot of time in Flagstaff. You know, a lot of a lot of times I I wake up three months into a camp or two months into a camp, and you know I'm kind of like, holy shit! Like all I've done for two months is train, sleep, nap, eat, you know, and 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 it just became it just became what was necessary and. You know, now all of a sudden I've spent uh extended period of time away from altitude, like four or five months. And then I did a camp in Font and then dropped down. And, and maybe, you know, maybe maybe change of environment. Um, You know, I, I asked Robert Demmead over lockdown to, you know, help me with training. And um, I think that's that's made a big impact. Um, Rob. I told you guys in the podcast last time, you know, Rob didn't necessarily set the training in France, but, you know, four or five weeks of training didn't create that result yesterday. Um, all the work I did over lockdown, 
working on my 10k type stuff working on my half marathon threshold type stuff um that's the that's the foundation of the result now what happened up in france was something that like you can't no coach can no coach can help you do what happened up in france what happened up in france was just a change of attitude you know it was it was it was seeing that what a four-time olympic champion and and bashir abdi who's a 204 marathon runner it was it was seeing the the hard work that they put in you know and 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 being like well fuck like i mean i guess i already knew that was the case but um seeing it firsthand and then something happened you know i did a long run and got to the end of the long run and um i think i got dropped with about three miles to go and it was my first sunday up there and I, I said to Butchie, I was like, you know, I, 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 I really rate the fact that the the long run splits into a couple of groups, and I just put myself in that front group with Ben Connor, Bashir Abdi, Mo Farah, you know, I, I, it's autopilot, and I was like, that says something, you know, that says that that's just where I believe that I belong, and that that was huge. That was kind of like, all right, and so. Yesterday was the first time that I've took that sort of, I, I said to my dad, I said a couple of weeks ago, um, that I would go to Antrim Coast and, you know, run half marathon effort, or sorry, run marathon effort and, you know, try to break 64 at marathon effort, something like that. And then I laughed on the phone and I went, who the fuck am I kidding? Like, I, I couldn't do that. You know, I even spoke to Rob about it and we talked about doing it at Marathon Effort and I texted him back straight away and said, I'd probably run the first mile at 440 because <laughs> I just can't do it. I'm competitive, you know. There's no way I was ever going to the Antrim Coast Half Marathon to run Marathon Effort because I'm just far too competitive. Um, But yeah, it was, a, it was a big attitude change and I sat down with Gary Locke who, you know, coached Paula Radcliffe and well, Paul Radcliffe's husband and obviously coach Paul Radcliffe but we talked a bit about training and you know he just told me that you know the key nowadays seems to be speed and, and being faster and I always like I guess I, I for a lot of years believed in holding back a bit and doing a lot of stuff at like like sub threshold and and like then obviously I, I got I got it kind of drilled into me up in front that you know everything you're doing should be sub five minute mile pace. And and I mean like sessions. I don't mean like, you know, um like easy days. I just mean if you're out there doing a tempo or you're out there doing a session, if you're gonna try to run a marathon sub five minute pace, you've no business really running five twenty, five twenty five, even if it is at altitude or it is uphill. Basically pick somewhere that's not hilly and even if it is at altitude his opinion was that you know and i guess how they operated was if you can't do six mile and one go sub five we'll then break it up into reps and then get to the point where you can do six mile and one go now i'm not going to start being a preacher of that i don't know if you have to do a lot of a lot of work to get to that place i've trained for years at this point um you know another Another probably thing that I think helped was the confidence that I'd have probably got doing long runs with the likes of Bashir and Mo and even Ben Connor. 
you know, like it, it, it was nice to see Ben left altitude a bit sooner than me, but it was nice to know roughly what, what he was sort of capable of doing on a Sunday. And then I was probably two or three weeks behind, but I was obviously staying a bit longer. So I was able to kind of play catch up. So, you know, I knew that a solid long run in font or a very good long run in font remote was to be around 520 to 525 average. And I ended up doing two of them. So I knew, I knew I was probably capable of, um, running quite a lot of the race with Ben, but on paper before the race, Ben was a, a much superior athlete than, you know, I was. Whereas if you had to predict who would win in London now between me and Ben, before the race on Sunday or Saturday there, you'd have probably definitely picked Ben Connor. Whereas now, you know, that probably throws a bit of a spanner in the works because, you know, we both seem to be around a very similar fitness. Um, but I would hope that I have the experience. But I, I really hope that I can work with somebody like Ben or, or others in London. I think that would be great. And that's what the marathon's all about. Like, you work together. And to be fair, we probably didn't work together as much as we could have on Saturday, but um, it was still great to have company and, and guys around at the sort of speed and effort that I was putting in. So, you know, it was, it was a really big day. It was a really good day. Um, It wasn't, honestly, less than 48 hours before. And like I told you guys, I was speaking to, you know, the sports psychiatrist and trying to figure out why I sort of make a mess of things in the last lot of weeks. And so part of that, again, like I told you, was, you know, this is where like Rob Demmead, you know, I, I, I don't want to mention too much, but like, you know, this is where like I, I just decided to ask him to help and set the final sort of four or five weeks of training into London. And, and I basically told him I'll, I'll trust every step of the way and I'll do exactly what you say. And I did to the letter, basically up the Antrim Coast half marathon. And I actually tapered properly. Like he said, I don't really know how to taper, whereas he did a really good job of that. And, the result that you've seen comes from training is training and it's great to do a lot of training and it's great to get really fit, but it's a skill and an art of coaching to be able to extract the best possible result. And so what that means is that's the highest heart rate I've ever been able to produce for that period of time in a race. And some of that's training, some of that's um like good, really good quality taper, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, the whole, I tweeted today, you know, the, the chapter in my life that I've moved into now is calm the fuck down and don't fuck this up. Um, and that's what the next three weeks is about. It's just about staying calm. And I know exactly what yesterday means. I know exactly where the training's at. I know exactly what I can probably produce in London, but ultimately sports sport. It's, it's, it's super important to a lot of us and it's a, it's a cool thing, but. I can't let it get me all excited and worked up. And I was obviously pretty fucking excited yesterday and pretty worked up. And I had three pints of Guinness in me by 11.30 a.m. maybe. <laughs> but I had already booked a flight home because I knew how dangerous it would be to stick around with, like, family. And, like, I, I had my mum and dad come sort of like they were out for a walk in the Antrim coast. And, um, you know, I know you know, the spectating and things like this wasn't really supposed to be a thing, but you know, how often does, you know, their son race in, in Northern Ireland? And, um, that was really nice. That was really nice that they were able to be around that area. 
Um, and then they met me in the hotel bar and um, a couple of my friends have a house down in the Antrim coast. And so they were able to, you know, meet in the wee bar as well. And all of a sudden I'm three pints of Guinness down by 12, but I knew this was going to happen. So I had actually booked a flight home back to London. I say home back to London. Um, I was supposed to fly back Sunday, but I knew if the race goes well, I knew the danger you know, Ulster was playing, Ulster and Leinster rugby was playing on the Saturday night. My friends were very quick to tell me there was lots of good reasons to stay in Belfast. But, um, you know, part of don't fuck this up was getting out of Belfast. And my friends actually, you know, they, they would encourage me to be sensible and they know how important the likes of London is for me. And, and I think they also got a I think they've always known, you know, I'm a pretty good athlete and I've spoke about it and they've seen articles and you know, they might have seen clips, but they've never seen it in the flesh. And, and you know, I think it was probably cool for them to the one race they do get to see in the flesh. I happen to be going side by side with like Mo Farah and Mark and Ben. So um, that must have been pretty cool. So, yeah, I got myself out of Belfast and, um, and, 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 and you know, that was probably a probably a good move. And now I have three weeks to go to calm things down. And, and you know, I'll do exactly what sort of Rob has prescribed and. And that allows it allows me to recover from um, the half marathon. And, you know, I have a bit of a sore calf and my legs are a bit beat up. And it's pretty much the same calf that gives me a bit of trouble up in front. And it's not there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not strong enough. And so obviously, like yesterday was probably pretty. I didn't feel it at all yesterday. And I actually didn't feel it at all today until mile nine of an easy run. And it didn't, in in font, it literally like cramped and was pretty bad. Whereas today it kind of just showed signs that it might be about to cramp. <clears throat> and then what I did was I just walked it in. So, um, well, I walked a wee bit, then I jogged home. Um, but luckily, yeah, it didn't cramp or anything. But, you know, it's actually maybe a good thing because it means that it allows me to get some treatment around it. And, you know, it tells me that, um it might be an area of concern for london so i'll probably need to do some strengthening over the next like two weeks to make sure that the day of london is a little bit stronger than perhaps it was the day of the antrim coast half um and that's it you're always trying to work out weaknesses and um so it's quite simple do the training calm things in life down i I said you know 30 36 hours ago i was talking to the sports psychiatrist for you know a two-hour zoom call and um, this is different from the stuff I do with a psychologist. The stuff I do with a sports psychologist is very towards sport, whereas the stuff I'm going to talk to a psychiatrist about is much more about life and previous things that might have went on. And um, I, I think it's more like it comes down to like trauma related events that might have happened in your life that then might have an impact in what you're doing now. And so that can be like if you are a worrying person or an anxious person or easily excitable change your plan often impulsive words like this which probably sums me up in about five words <laughs> um but yeah look guys it, it was really great um it's i i had i had just told an athlete a week before i'd actually went and met an athlete um for you know a week ago i went and had two glasses of wine you know i knew i sort of said i wasn't drinking before um london but i didn't think two glasses of red wine was gonna like be a big fuss and um that athlete had just medaled at the British champs and um I sort of just was very encouraging that 
you know, you have to celebrate the good days nowadays because, you know, they don't always happen. So, um, you know, yesterday on that note, you know, what a celebration for me. What a big day. Um, a lot of a lot of hard work. It was really tough through lockdown, a lot of pretty shitty days. And, and then I have to say, like a lot of sacrifices since that to put myself up in France. And that that altitude camp costs probably three thousand pounds. You know, it's not cheap. The apartment was two and a half. The rental car was over five. Um, it's not, there is sacrifices. There is costs. There is, it's not free. You know, the Airbnb here in Teddington is 1100 a month. You know, these things, I, I probably pay physios four or 500 a month just to look after me and, and keep me in one piece. It's, it's not free. It's an investment. You know, you don't, I, I don't think you can stand on that start line anymore and, expect to be competitive without the investment of altitude and physio and, and you know it, it's it's not free so it's nice when the investment pays off and you're able to produce a result like like I did and you know for anybody that you know the investment or the hard work or the effort didn't pay off this time like you know that's that's life someone told me recently that life's not fair I don't know at what point I forgot that you know sometimes life isn't fair um but you know the whole a lot of the work with the psychiatrist and what I'm trying to do myself and internally and I've spoke about this a lot already is I'll be a lot more present just be present just enjoy the small the small things and so and the big things so um you know I'm going to really enjoy what happened yesterday but it the, the important thing now is to recover there was an easy run today I'm actually having a full rest day tomorrow which has nothing to do with the calf I'm just, it was always planned. That's probably one of the, you know, big sort of things that um, Rob has brought to the table for me is just allowing me to believe in myself enough that I can have rest days and, and not always be pushing and always be trying to do more, more, more. Um, but yeah, look, I, I appreciate the support. I got a lot of lovely messages and um, a lot of support after the half and um, I, I really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, look, I, I hope you guys are good and um, you know, I'm I'm excited for London, and I think everybody else should be. You know, I I'm not really going to start <laughs> throwing out predictions just yet, but um, you know, I think I'm going to be on for a pretty big PB. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed. All right, guys, you take care. Bye bye.